Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here. And today I have the privilege of hosting Lauren Driscoll on the podcast once again. She is the founder and CEO of Nourished RX. Lauren founded Nourish RX to support health plans and at-risk providers' efforts to address the most actionable and critical non-clinical needs of their members and patients, which is nutrition and social isolation. Prior to Nourished RX, Lauren was a senior leader in the strategy practice at Levitt Partners, a health intelligence firm founded by former Secretary of Health and Human Services, Michael Levitt. Lauren served as corporate director of Oxford Health Plans, where she led Oxford's Medicare business. She is co-chair of the United States of Care Entrepreneurs Council, among many other amazing contributions to our space. I'm excited to have her here with us again. So thanks so much for joining us, Lauren. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks, so. Oh, of course. And so since we last talked, a lot has changed. We had a pandemic and there's been so much forward movement in the digitization of healthcare, but there's been a lot of consistencies, the way people need to get care and how it's done effectively. And that's something you and your team has done so well. So I want to just level set with everyone. If you can, just let us know a little bit about the organization that you run and why you decided to do what you guys are doing. Yeah, for sure. So when we spoke three years ago almost now, I think I talked about what inspired me initially to get into healthcare. And that really was an opportunity to support vulnerable populations, in particular older adults. And also I I love to drive efficiency where there previously was not efficiency. So needless to say, in the healthcare system in the United States, there's a lot of opportunity there. And then just that I've always seen nutrition as the biggest glaring missed opportunity. And so our organization, our mission is to drive health and health equity, one meal, one person, and one community at a time. And the way we do this, and this has evolved since we've last spoken, and we've had a lot more throughput since we last spoke, but we basically become sort of an easy button for healthcare payers to be able to provide a very comprehensive and end-to-end bundle of services to really address nutrition and food insecurity and all the downstream diet-related disease, which is so prolific. So given poor diet is the number one risk factor for death and disease in our country, and given value-based care is really continuing to progress There's just more and more interest in addressing root causes and poor diet is just a key root cause. So that's what we do in a nutshell. That's great. Thanks for level setting. And why this space, right? You could have decided to tackle a lot of different areas of the inefficiencies, but Lauren, tell us why this area is most important to you. Again, when you look at all of the risk factors associated with diet, with deaths and disease in our country, poor diet is number one. I think number two may be smoking, and then three, four, and five are all Mm diet-related as well, like high Mm -hmm. cholesterol, high blood sugar, et cetera. So it's such a poor root cause. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like until we address it, we're just going to continue to have to administer reactive care as opposed to really driving foundational health. And I'd say since we last spoke, the pandemic really just shined a light on the degree to which food and nutrition insecurity really contributes to 
health inequities. Everything's getting worse. The growth and prevalence of diabetes is tenfold over what it was 60 years ago. 700,000 deaths annually associated with diet-related disease. And if you just pause on that one for a second, that's more than died annually at the height of COVID. Mm. And so I feel like our society has just become inured to the morbidity and mortality associated with diet-related disease, and it just needs to be addressed head on. So. Yeah. So that's why. Yeah. No, I love it. I mean, very data backed decision you have there. And it's clear. Our last episode we did with you, Lauren, was food as medicine. And you're on this track. You haven't strayed. I really love your focus. If you had to point to what is it that makes a difference in the way that you guys deliver your service or technology platform? Can you share more about that with the listeners? Yeah, for sure. So there are a lot of great point solutions out there. You know, there are medically tailored meal providers, there are produce prescription providers, there are nutrition apps, there's hunger relief, there's fintech solutions for health plan members purchasing healthy food. But a comprehensive solution that really enables a degree of personalization just really doesn't exist. And so that's what we have built. So to sort of put a finer point on it, I'd say there are three key differences to what we do. One is we've got the ability to really provide a range of food and a range of content depending on what an individual needs. So for the food, that can be meals, it can be groceries, it can be produce, it can be meal kits. And then for the education, it can be specific for a particular condition. It can be at a particular reading level. It can be targeting meal prep guidance if that's what someone needs or shopping guidance. So it's really just, I'd say number one is the fact that we're able to comprehensively deliver an end-to-end solution in a very personalized manner. And then the second, I would say, is really our ability to do it at scale. If you think about it, just to put it in context, parents and grandparents, family members have been preparing personalized, hopefully healthy food that's culturally concordant for their loved ones forever. But doing it at scale and integrating it into the healthcare system is a whole different ballgame. And so there are a ton of great regional efforts, but for us to be able to partner with health plans who have members across the country, we really need to leverage technology to achieve that degree of personalization at scale. And then finally, I think it's our focus on lasting, sustainable dietary change. The intervention design that we administer really has that as a primary aim. We really are teaching people to fish or supporting people to learn to uh, quote unquote fish. So I'd say those are the three differentiators. That's great, Lauren. Thanks for helping us understand. There's an actual food component. There's a knowledge component and really a scalability component all wrapped up to help with this number one killer of people, diet. Yep. And I think it's really great. And if you wanted to share anything about what success looks like with payers using your program, what does it look like when rubber hits the road and people are actually utilizing this? Can you share that with us? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to. So first of all, we want to see outcomes improve. And we automatically, well, actually, let me even back up. First of all, we want good engagement. We've 
really been able to achieve that. I think the prospect of personalized food at no additional cost is very engaging. And so we've hit engagement rates that I honestly don't know have been seen before. We're hovering between 85 and 90% for the people who we're able to contact. Second of all, satisfaction is key and for people to really stick with the program. And again, our net promoter score for ourselves and for our health plans is again in the 80s. And then outcomes. So we do track different patient reported outcomes longitudinally so that we can see progress and we have the opportunity to pivot if something isn't working. That's also a key motivator for people. We can actually feed some of the progress, no pun intended with feed, but reflect back (laughs) to the person some of the progress they've made, which is very motivating. And then finally, we're really helping the health plans economically. So we are supporting health plan economics, both on the revenue side and on the expense side. So, you know, on the revenue side, we've been able to drive significant member retention and then star ratings improvement as well. And then very excitingly, we've been able to see very strong medical cost savings. We had one large-scale program where we had a case mix-adjusted control group, and we were able to show over $450 medical savings per member per month over the course of 12 months. So I'd say success is multifaceted, and I'm just delighted that we have been achieving some really great proof points. That's great, Lauren. And thanks for sharing that data with us, right? It's certainly a testament to your stick-to-itiveness and creative approach and finding a way that works on really kind of both sides of the balance sheet. It's important to approach it. And then obviously the outcomes piece is what catalyzes it all. So as you think about the work that you're doing specific to setbacks, what would you say is one of the things that sticks out as, wow, we were able to overcome that and now we're much better as a result? So we had one distinct situation and the health plan will remain unnamed, but where we, we entered into a contract and there was a performance element associated with our compensation. Basically, we were agreeing that we would show a reduction in the median A1C of a certain amount and that that's how we would earn the performance Mm -hmm. component of our revenue. And we went through implementation and spent quite a bit of our resources and time getting ready for that. And when we went to launch, the health plan did not actually have A1C data. So we learned a lot there. Now we scrambled, we figured out a workaround, we ended up restructuring it. So we were using self-reported A1C data, but we learned the importance of not only validating the existence of data Mm -hmm. and also validating format so that there's an easy, easy integration and just making sure that different responsibilities are super clear from the get-go. Some great call-outs there, Lauren. And the assumptions are the ones that get us, but hey, if we learn from them and build a, a tighter business model, we end up in a better place like you have. Exactly. That's great. And hey, on the front of technology and trends, there's a lot of things changing. What do you see that's happening now that's going to make healthcare change as we know it? Well, I'm sure that every person you ask has generative AI on the top of their (laughs) list. And so, yes, that is on the top of our list as well. We are definitely leveraging generative AI. And I should back up and say we are a Google 
cloud healthcare platform. We use their API. And so we really appreciate the interoperability that we get there from their use of the FHIR standard. And so we're definitely seeing improved interoperability and that helps us in so many different workflows. But on top of that, we are developing some different AI-supported workflows, leveraging Google's AI products. And this assists in making, you know, in matching the best diet for the individual that's in front of us at the moment. It also enables an individual to get very, very relevant nutrition information when they query and it's really leveraged. We've created a very curated, personalizable nutrition education library. And so that together with an AI solution and the registered dietitian supervision has really been a big, big step forward. And then finally, I'd say we're just, we're using generative AI extensively to enhance our efficiency internally. Mm-hmm. And that that also has been a great step forward. Yeah, no, some great call outs and exciting to hear the pipeline of innovation that you guys are working on to take what you guys do to the next level. And that certainly is very exciting. So then Lauren, here as we're concluding, by the way, thanks for jumping back on. I mean, it's so great to see you and it's so great to hear of your progress and success in this very key topic. What closing thought would you leave our listeners with and where can they find out more about you and the company? Sure. Well, I'll answer the easy one first. My email is lauren at nourishrx.com and our website is nourishrx.com. So please feel free to reach out either via the website or directly with me. And the closing thought I would love to leave with everyone is just the importance of personalization and to think about that in the context of health equity. If we really want to avoid health equality, which is calling for equal treatment for all patients and health plan members versus health equity, which really prioritizes the treatment and care based on the need. And so that is really important when it comes to nutrition and food access. You know, you've seen one individual situation in terms of people's knowledge of nutrition, people's access to food, healthy food, people's exposure to healthy food, people's ability to prepare food, people's dexterity, people's cultural cuisine taste preferences. There's just so much variability when it comes to nutrition that being able to personalize as opposed to let's just give everybody 10 medically tailored meals it's just really, it's a critical dimension of the long-term goal of so many people working in healthcare, which really is health equity. Yeah, that's really great. I'm glad you brought that up at the end of the day. That is what matters. And so thank you again for sharing the work that you do with us. Folks, don't stop at listening. Make sure you check the show notes and reach out to Lauren, whether it's through her website or the email address that she provided. We'll be leaving those with you all in the show notes of this episode. And take action because that's how you get into the rocket and get your outcomes. And Lauren, thanks for being with us and taking action by being here. We really appreciate it. Yep, thank you, Saul. It was a pleasure.